0: And this game is underway with a This is where the lacrosse area gathers to talk Wisconsin sports. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Join in by phone or text at 796 2558. Now, here's Grant Bills. We talked about this a little bit yesterday, but we're in a little bit of an awkward period right now, right? We're just kind of waiting for sports to come back. For the longest time, we were talking about return to play proposals, right? Certain plans, things that could happen. Like, what if the NBA put everyone in a bubble? What if baseball did things regionally, right? We were talking about what might happen. Well, now we know what's going to happen. We know sports are coming back at the end of July, or they're going to try. Now we're just waiting, right? So we kind of have the freedom to talk about anything right now. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about the Brewers. We're going to talk about uh, the Bucks, some former Bucks players. We're going to talk about Bob Uecker. We're going to talk about everything today. I'm excited because until sports come back in about a month, hopefully, hopefully, we're just waiting. We're just chilling. Just waiting for our favorite teams to return to play. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you're having a good night. I hope you're doing well. You're staying strong, and you're not getting too mentally worn down by a uh, by everything that's going on. Uh, we've started the show the last couple of days, at least, with an update on the COVID numbers. I, I think it's important to stay up to date and to stay uh, at least a little bit well-read into what's going on. So Lacrosse County today, 22 new cases. We're down to only two people in the hospital now. That was four yesterday. Um, and luckily, some of those hospitalizations were precautionary, were preventative, just to be safe, right? So that number's been cut in half, which is awesome. We still have no deaths. Pray that continues in Lacrosse County. But... Cases still coming in at a steady stream. They've been holding it about 20, 21, 22, 23 uh, for about a week now. So it's not growing, but coronavirus very much still out there and present in our community. So I've started the show this week just updating you, letting you know, uh, and reminding you. That's right. Maybe if you're going outside, wear a mask or just don't go outside. It's been amazing. I have loved the last week or so coming to work and then going home and doing nothing else. It's an amazing excuse to avoid anyone or anything. It's great. When uh, when quarantine started, I hated it. I'm like, I want to go outside. I want to do things. But now, I'm actually actually coming around to the idea. It only took a couple of months. So 22 new cases today. Just be aware. Just stay informed. Uh, our, Our country is not in a good spot with coronavirus right now. And sports are trying to come back as cases continue to go up and up and up and up. So hopefully, we can talk about sports and stop talking about coronavirus. But in the meantime, those two topics are very much, very much, uh, related. I want to start today with some NFL news. Not necessarily related directly to the Packers or the Vikings or the Bears, but related to every NFL team. Uh, the NFL, it sounds like, is already planning for a season without fans. Or, if you're optimistic, they're planning for a season with a limited number of fans. I don't think they're going to be fans. We'll get to that uh, more in a few minutes. The NFL announced today, and all the owners agreed, they're going to sell local ad space in the first six to eight rows Of stadiums. So in the first six to eight rows of Lambeau Field. The Packers. At least how I read it in the Sports Business Journal. The Packers are going to have freedom to sell that space to local advertisers. As long as those local advertisers don't conflict with the advertisers of the NFL. Right? For example, when we air Packer games on WKTY. We can still sell ad space to local businesses. We do. Right? But those local businesses can't conflict with sponsors of the Packers. Like I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head. But. Sargento is a big sponsor of the Packers, and I think the Brewers, but I'm not quite sure. Let's say Sargento is the official cheese sponsor of the Green Bay Packers. Even though the Packers and WKTY are separate, the Packers have their own advertisers, we have our own local advertisers, we could not sell ad time with a, another cheese company. I don't even, do, we have local, do we have a local cheese company? I don't know. We couldn't sell advertiser to Kraft. We couldn't sell space to them because that would conflict with Sargento. So the Packers and all teams are going to be allowed to sell space in the first six to eight rows. They're going to tarp it off and sell advertising as long as it doesn't conflict with advertisers from the NFL. Now, this ad revenue is hopefully going to help to alleviate some lost revenue that would have been brought in through ticket sales. But because there are going to be no fans or optimistic view, there will be fewer fans. They're going to lose out on ticket sale money. So hopefully advertising money helps alleviate some of those losses from COVID-19. It also provides a buffer if fans are allowed to return to games. So let's say Lambeau Field's allowed to sell 60%, 50% capacity. Great. They have the first six to eight rows blocked off. So ideally, there's a buffer between the players and the fans. So the NFL helping make a little extra money. And in the event that fans can come back, they're still not screwing themselves out of, you know, opportunities for fans because there's still space and there'll be a buffer between fans and players. This is such a good idea, and it seems so obvious, right? All ideas seem so obvious after the fact. Like, Amazon is the simplest thing in the world. Just an online marketplace to sell everything. Like, of course that was a great idea. It seems obvious. Now, Facebook as well. Of course. One social platform for everybody to be on to share pictures and to communicate. Of course, it's the most obvious thing in the world. After the fact. Of course the NFL is selling ad time because that makes them money. It helps alleviate costs of not selling tickets. And if there are fans, it helps protect the players. Of course. Of course, it's a brilliant idea, and it's obvious. And another side note, it's such an indictment on Major League Baseball because isn't alleviating monetary losses from COVID-19, isn't that their number one priority? Like, that was the owner's thing. Hey, we're losing money. We're playing games without fans. We need to save money here, 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 here. Meanwhile, the NFL's like, yeah, we'll just do this. Great idea. And they passed it in, like, a day. And Major League Baseball still can't figure anything out. So that was another side thought I had related to this. Just as, as the NFL looks smart... Major League Baseball looks dumb. Grass is green. Water is wet, right? This is an interesting story. It's got a little bit of economics, got a little bit of sports, got a little bit of current events with coronavirus. Like, this is an interesting topic. That's why we're starting the show with it. And I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I'm, I'm looking for anything that's, that's not related to Major League Baseball negotiations right now. Any topic I can find is interesting that's not baseball. While this is an interesting story, it also makes one thing clear to me, and it's becoming more clear every day. There aren't going to be any fans at games in 2020. There just aren't. I hear people saying, well, we don't know if there will be fans. Let me be the first to tell you there will be no fans at games this fall. We, there are It's already for sure there aren't going to be fans at NBA games. Let me go ahead and tell you there's not going to be fans at Major League Baseball stadiums, and there's not going to be fans at NFL stadiums. If you've been paying attention at least 1% to what's been happening in the world of COVID-19 in our country in the last week, it is, uh, well, it it could not be going worse. So Florida and Texas both have huge numbers. They reported 5,000 plus new cases yesterday. California shattered their record. They had 7,000 cases plus. 34,313 total new cases in our country on Tuesday. That's the highest it's been since May 16th. So we peaked in late April, early May And then our country dropped back down. We're doing pretty well. And now cases are exploding, especially in big states, big cities and states and cities where things reopened quickly. But it's not just Florida and Texas where the governors went to reopen everything. It's happening in California, too. And if you'll remember, we talked about it on the show. Governor Newsom said we might stay locked down through August. California has been one of the slowest states to reopen, and they are experiencing massive, massive growth in this virus in their state. 34,313 total new cases in our country on Tuesday. And it was said by Robert Redfield, who's the director of the CDC. does that sound like an actor name? Robert Redfield. It doesn't sound like somebody who would work for the CDC. He said earlier today, and it was reported that, according to him, every positive test equates to about 10 other tests or 10 other positive cases that aren't tested. So let's say in La Crosse County, there were 21 new cases today. That means there were 200 new cases that weren't shown in tests that haven't been confirmed, which is really scary, right? 20 new cases in La Crosse County every day means, really, as many as 60 new cases every day. Our country is in the tank right now with coronavirus. It's going terribly. I I don't know if this could have been handled much worse, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about sports. I keep hearing people say things like, Well, we don't know if there will be fans at games, or we don't know what things are going to look like in a month when sports start back up. No, 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 no. no. I know there aren't going to be fans. They're they're not. We might not have Major League Baseball. The NBA plan might fall through. The NFL might say, no, we might not have sports at all, let alone fans at those games. I'm not convinced Major League Baseball is going to pull out a season without fans in the stands. I'm really, really hesitant to believe Major League Baseball can make this work even if there aren't fans in the stands. And yet, people in Chicago saying, yeah, we'd love, to have, we'd love to have fans at White Sox games. Yeah, well, I'd love a lot of things, but 2020 hasn't exactly been our year. The Astros owner saying, yeah, we're gonna, trust me, we're gonna get fans in here. Don't worry, we're gonna get fans in here. No, you're not. You're gonna run out of hospital beds in Texas. You're not gonna be putting fans in the stands for Astros games. Absolutely not. Smart people keep telling us we're going to have to adjust our behavior and our expectations, right? We need to learn to live with the virus. This has become our new normal. And I say that almost sarcastically because I hate the expression, our new normal. I hate that. Once this pandemic's over, I never want to hear it again. Smart people keep telling us we have to adjust our behavior. We have to adjust our expectations. That goes for sports too. That goes for sports too. In a country where people think masks are a political issue. How do we expect to get fans back in the stands in a month? Cases are rising right now faster than they have been in months. And you expect, you expect to be peep sitting in Miller Park in a month? No, 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 no. I'm all for being optimistic. I am all for being optimistic. Don't get me wrong. But I, I don't know how there is an optimistic way to go about this and realistically say and truthfully say fans in stands are a good idea Within the next month. I, I just. I I cannot do the mental gymnastics necessary. To believe that. There aren't going to be fans at games. I've been watching Premier League. On TV by the way. And soccer's is far from my favorite sport. But I've been watching Premier League. I, it doesn't bother me. Not having fans does not bother me. I think when sports comes back. Hopefully when sports come back. In July. I don't think it's going to affect us a whole lot. I, I see and hear people saying things like. Man I'm. I'm not going to watch if there're no fans. It's going to be weird without fans. Yeah, it'll be different, but trust me, it'll be okay. Like it's fine. I've been watching soccer, which I don't really care or know much about. No fans. It's been fine. Right? My head hasn't exploded, my TV hasn't broken. It's fine. We live on without fans. Adjust your expectations, adjust your behavior. That goes for sports too. We ain't going to have We ain't, we ain't going to have fans. Sorry. Don't want to be a wet blanket. Uh, When we come back, I want to talk about some of my favorite NBA players and some of my favorite teams, not the Bucs and players that aren't on the Bucs. There was some news in the NBA today, and it was reported by Tim Bontemps. We got a couple more details on how the bubble in Orlando might work for the NBA return next month. Let's talk about that. We get to talk a little bit about the Sacramento Kings real quick. We get to talk about Jabari Parker, some of my favorite teams and favorite players in the news today, not for great reasons. We'll talk about that coming up next, the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. My name is Grant Bills. I'm your host. Follow me on Twitter at Grant. Follow everyone at the station at WKTY. Dave Carney, Hunter Baumgart, everybody follow us at WKTY. So some NBA slash COVID news today regarding some of my favorite players and teams. So just to remind you, give you a full picture. Uh, my NBA fandom rankings, my favorite teams go bucks. They're in... A class of their own, right? But after the Bucks, number two are the Sacramento Kings. Love me, some Sacktown Kings. Number three, the Atlanta Hawks. And number four, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Now last year it wasn't the Thunder, it was the Nets. And it went Bucks, Kings, Nets, Hawks. But then the Nets got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and, and I'm out. It used to be Dinwiddie and Jared Allen and Karis Levert, and, and now they, they got all mainstream, so I'm I'm off the Nets. But Bucks, Kings, Hawks, Thunder. Alright, yesterday we talked about the Phillies and the Rockies and outbreaks they were facing before they even returned to official camp, before they even started playing games, right? Phillies had an outbreak of 11 positive tests. The Rockies, I believe, had three, and they had everything in place. They had their protocols, their checkpoints, temperature checkpoints, right? Spacing out, wearing masks if you're a trainer or a coach, you had a mask on, didn't matter. They had outbreaks, both teams. Now, today, we're talking about the Sacramento Kings. Jabari Parker, the former Buck, Buddy Healed, Alex Len, All testing positive. Remember, Jabari Parker was in Milwaukee to protest a couple of weeks ago. Which I'm a huge fan of. You you start to wonder where this COVID infection came from, right? If it was at a protest or if it was just at a gas station, at a grocery store. Maybe jogged by one person on the sidewalk. That's all it takes. I'm not saying that it happened at the protest. Not what I'm saying. But, I mean, he's been around a lot of people. He's been in lots of different places in the country. He's now in Chicago right now. Uh, this is Jabari Parker's uh, statement. Several days ago, I tested positive for COVID-19 and immediately self-isolated in Chicago, which is where I remain. I am progressing in my recovery and feeling well. I look forward to joining my teammates in Orlando as we return to the court for the resumption of the NBA season. I would love to have Jabari Parker back on the Bucks. I, I don't know how the money would work. I don't even know what his role on the team would be. I love Jabari Parker. I He unfortunately found himself in a disagreement between fans and ownership and management. It's not his fault his knee blew out two times, right? It's not his fault that because he was set to be a free agent that somebody was going to pay for him. That's not his fault. That's not the Bucks' fault. I love Jabari Parker. He got caught in an awkward and tough situation with the Bucs and with Bucks fandom. Now, the Bucks made the right choice not giving him that long-term deal. I would love to have him back just because I love Jabari Parker. That was his statement. Alex Len, uh center who used to play for The Suns now is in Sacramento. This is his statement. I want to thank the Kings for their great care and the NBA for putting the protocols in place to allow me to catch this early. I have immediately entered isolation and look forward to being cleared and rejoining my teammates for our playoff push. So the Kings, my second favorite NBA team, my Western Conference team, 28 and 36. They are going to have a chance to play their way into the postseason. I don't think they're... They're not very good. They're they're fine. Like, De'Aaron Fox has not developed to the player I hoped he would at this point. Marvin Bagley just... (laughs) Martin Bagley might not develop into anything, but Alex Len, Buddy Heal, Jabari Parker, all testing positive for the coronavirus. So Malcolm Brogdon, another former Buck, came down with the COVID as well. Once again, we don't know where he got it. This is his statement. I've recently tested for the COVID virus and I'm currently in quarantine. I'm doing well, feeling well, and progressing well. I plan to join my teammates in Orlando for the resumption of the NBA season and the playoffs. The Pacers are in the playoff picture. They're 39 and 26. They're... The Pacers are essentially what the Bucks are without a superstar, right? They're a really well-coached, really well-built team with a lot of good players who do a lot of good things. They just don't have the star power. And the NBA, you need star power. Like, look at the champions from the last however many years. It's either been LeBron or the Warriors. I guess the Spurs were in there as well, but they had star power. It's just not the flashy star power that we're used to. Pacers are a good team. I hope Malcolm Brogdon's back for the postseason. I really like Malcolm Brogdon as well. Once again, a guy who... Sucked that he couldn't remain on the Bucs. He didn't do anything wrong. Just he was going to make a bunch of money. The Bucs weren't in a position to give out all that money. The Pacers gave him an expanded role as well. I wish he was still on the Bucks. I love Malcolm Brogdon. So the NBA started their first round of screening earlier this week. And it returned at least 12 positive tests. Now the players we know, Nikola Jokic, the Nuggets, he was in Serbia. We talked about Brogdon. We talked about Buddy Heald, Alex Len, Jabari Parker. Derek Jones Jr. also tested positive. He is on the Heat. There are four other reported positive tests on another Western Conference team and two more on the Suns. Those names have not been released or leaked. has been made public, which is fine. I was really worried the night before the NBA started testing. I was terrified that, you know, they were going to get back dozens of positive tests. And at that point, it's, it's messy. If you test your entire league and your positive test rate is 15, 20, 25%, that that's really, really tough to then try to turn around in less than a month and resume postseason play. Not just preseason or regular season, but to go from that many positive tests to postseason play in a matter of about 30 days would have been really, really tough. So we're looking at about 12 positive tests, which isn't backbreaking, right? The NBA looks like they'll be able to return at this rate. In fact, 12 positive tests is a good sign that they're identifying players, they're getting them isolated, and hopefully getting things cleaned up before players enter the bubble in Orlando because the bubble's not worth anything if you have infected players entering the bubble, right? The bubble's designed to keep infection out. If infection gets inside, the bubble is basically useless. 12 positive tests. Nikola Jokic, Malcolm Brogdon, the trio from the Kings, Alex Lenbuddy-Heal, Jabari Parker, and then Derek Jones Jr., four others, That haven't been named on another Western Conference team. And two more on the Phoenix Suns. This is why the bubble is necessary. This is why the bubble is necessary. Because even NBA players get sick when they're going about their normal life. Right, Jabari Parker was at a protest. Malcolm Brogdon's got to go buy groceries. He's got to fill up his car with gas. These guys are just going about their normal life. And they're coming down with coronavirus. This is why the bubble is necessary. And as we learned earlier today, the NBA is not taking this bubble lightly. We knew that they had uh, an anonymous tip line for players to not snitch, but to share their concerns anonymously about players who might not be taking the bubble seriously. Uh, the NBA doubled down on the severity of of the bubble today. Tim Bontemps of ESPN reported that the NBA uh, will use local, state, and federal law enforcement plus former special operations forces to secure the bubble in Orlando. They're not messing around, if that report is true. Tim Bontemps is a very credible reporter. He announced that at 2.30 this afternoon. His report is still up, so I'm assuming it's good, and it's been confirmed. State, local, federal, former special forces? They're not messing around, and they can't afford to mess around, because they had 12 positive tests from players who were just chilling at home. They're not even, they're not even gathering in groups to compete, into scrimmage, into practice. They're just chilling and they have 12 positive tests. How could they simply go back to playing normally in home arenas? It wouldn't work. They couldn't, it wouldn't work. It can't work and they can't do it. I think the NBA's plan is as good as it gets. Like they could have not done better. Setting up a bubble, using every resource and every form of personnel, state, local, federal, special forces, they are pulling out all the stops and it still might not be enough. Still. That's why I have such little faith in the N, in the MLB's return to play. Like, you have outbreaks in the Phillies organization, in the Rockies organization, and you're just going to expect everything to go back to normal next month? What measures are you putting in place? Well, you can't spit sunflower seeds. You can't high five. Okay, well, really? That's the best you got? Because if that's your number one measure to prevent coronavirus, this ain't going to work. The NBA might not be able to pull this off, and they are sequestering Everyone in a bubble. No one can leave. That might not be enough. And the MLB is just supposed to walk in the front door of Miller Park and play ball. I, I don't see it working. I keep going back to this quote. I was reading a piece in The Ringer today by Dan Devine. And he was talking about the fragility of the NBA return. Right? Yeah, the plan's great. But here are the concerns. Here's what could go wrong. And there's a quote in this article and it, it branches off of a report from Tom Haberstraw of NBC Sports earlier this month. This is the quote. The NBA is taking a lot of good steps here, but the league still needs firm ground on which to take those steps, and the footing's getting awfully unsteady in Central Florida. That's beautiful. That's That's perfectly said. That's another way of saying, hey, the plan is great, and it still might not be enough. The NBA is taking all the right steps, but if they're... Stepping into Central Florida and Orlando where the testing rate has flirted around 20%, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how good your plan is. If people are testing positive at 20% and you have players already testing positive all over the country and all over the world, in the case of Nikola Jokic, it still might be a long shot to pull this off. I have questions about the NBA's return, and they're taking this way more seriously than Major League Baseball. I'm not trying to be negative today. I, I, I've been a little bit pessimistic through the first half hour, and we're going to talk about the Brewers coming up next, and we'll actually dig into some baseball talk, not COVID talk, but I I don't see this going well. I Major League Baseball or NBA, and the NBA is taking it a lot more seriously, so that's an, another indictment on the MLB. We've already talked about a couple of them so far today. When we come back, I want to talk about Major League Baseball, and I want to talk about the Brewers, and something that we just barely touched on yesterday. Starting pitchers and their value in a season of only 60 games. We'll talk about that coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. Wisco Sports Show rolls on. I hope you're having a great night. Thanks for tuning in. My name's Grant Bills. I'm your host. We've talked a little bit about the NFL, about the NBA. I want to talk about baseball. I miss the daily grind of talking about Lineups and starting pitchers and management decisions. I miss that so much. I say all the time that baseball is boring in a good way. Like, it's not always a bad thing to be boring. Baseball's a good kind of boring, and I miss the routine. Coming on every day, talking about the game from the night before. Every Sunday, turning the TV on at 1 for that one ten first pitch. I miss that routine. Yeah, it's boring. It's a good kind of boring. That's why I like baseball. That's why baseball fans like baseball. It's boring. It's a grind. It's a marathon. You want to share your thoughts with me? You can. 608-796-2558 on the 5 Star Telecom talking text line. Shoot me a text. I, I want to talk about starting pitching and what it means in a 60 game season. Here's what interests me. Now, 60 games we know is an incredibly short season. It's the equivalent of playing a five game NFL season or about a 30 game NBA season. Imagine, imagine playing an NFL season with only five games. It would almost feel not worth it, right? I don't know how you feel about the NBA. 30 games is, I think, a good enough sample size to tell which teams are good. I think 82 games in the NBA is way too many, but I like basketball, so I'm down with it. Five games, 30 games. 60 games is a super, super short season. However, the thing is, in a five-game NFL season or a 30-game NBA season, those games would be played normally, exactly the same, Right? In the case of a five-game NFL season, Matt LaFleur is still going to give the ball to Aaron Jones, still going to throw the ball to Devontae Adams. Mike Pettin is still going to blitz with Zadarius and Preston Smith. Nothing would change. They're just playing fewer games. Same in the NBA. In Major League Baseball, and we see this in the postseason, in small sample sizes, baseballs play differently. The managers go about things differently in a small sample size. Watch Game 7 of a postseason series. Manager will empty their bench, empty their bullpen, Use every starter on the bench if that's what it takes. The game changes. The way it's played changes. It's almost like the rules themselves change. The rules go right out the window. I'm interested to see how different managers handle this. Because you know some managers are going to treat this like a normal season. They're not going to make any changes. And then there are going to be some managers that throw everything out of whack. Redesign their starting rotation. Redesign their bullpen. And design their roster to play a short sprint amount of games. Every team is built differently. Every manager thinks differently. We're going to see a lot of different strategies employed in a 60-game season. Equivalent, it's the equivalent of 37% of the full 162. I can't wait to see it. Now, teams with the best odds, as in any year, have the best starting pitching. If you, uh, I was looking at fan graphs yesterday. I pulled it up again today just to keep it consistent. New York, LA, Houston, Washington all have... Really, really good playoff odds. The Nationals, a 53% chance to make it. The Dodgers, 86%. Chance. Imagine that. Imagine that, Brewers and Twins fans. How nice would that feel? to, to For making the postseason to really just kind of be a formality? Um, imagine that. Wouldn't that be nice? To have an 86% chance to make the playoffs. Must be nice. Dodger fans. Dodgers have a great chance. Yankees have a great chance. All of these teams have great starting rotations. Small side note, because they're huge towns with a lot of money, but that's not what we're talking about here. These teams all have a huge portion of their payroll tied up in starting pitching. The Yankees, for example, are giving thirty-six million to Garrett Cole this year. Masahiro Tanaka is making twenty-three million. J. A. Happ seventeen million. James Patton making twelve and a half million, or James Paxton, excuse me. The Los Angeles Dodgers, very much the same. Clayton Kershaw making thirty-one million dollars this year alone. David Price making sixteen. The Houston Astros dealing out thirty-three million to Justin Verlander, or twenty-four to Zach Greinke. Lance McCullers is even making $5 million. This is just dwarfing what the Twins and the Brewers are paying. They're starting pitching. The Nationals are the best example. Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin are making $35, $23, and $19 million, respectively. The teams with the best odds have the most money tied up in elite starting pitching. For example, Washington, $79 combined million dollars between Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. This year alone, that's 48% of their payroll. of their payroll is tied up in their three best starting pitchers. Now, in a normal season, a healthy starter, like Max Scherzer, makes about 30 starts. Sometimes a couple fewer, sometimes as many as 34, 35. But it's around 30. That's your benchmark in a normal, healthy season. This season, I would expect a starting pitcher to make about 12. Maybe near 15. Five-man rotation, 60 games, 12. 12 games. This is why I think the Brewers could outperform their projections. They could. They could. Because the Brewers don't have a stupid amount of money and talent tied up in starting pitching. Because this season, more than any other, is going to show that you can really only use Max Scherzer every five or six days. You can really only use him in about 20% of the games. In a normal season, that would be about 30 starts. But it's going to be 12, a dozen. Imagine your best player, Max Scherzer or Garrett Cole or Clayton Kershaw, your best player on your baseball team, and you only get to see him pitch 12 times in the regular season. Think about that. Now, it's obviously not a disadvantage to have Max Scherzer or Steven Strasburg or Garrett Cole on your team this year. That's not what I'm saying. It doesn't hurt you to have a great pitcher, but it's not as great of an asset as it would be in a season with many more games instead of getting 30 starts out of your best player, you're going to get 12. You're going to get 12. Those starts better count, right? He better go, You better have eight wins. Max Scherzer, Garrett Cole, pitchers of that ilk, just aren't going to have the impact they would in a regular season, a regular 162 game regular season. This is why I think the Brewers could outperform projections this season, because their success isn't tied up in starting pitching, which weirdly might be better in a shortened season. There's a couple of reasons, a couple bullet points why I think the Brewers could be better than they are projected to be. And according to Fangraphs, the Brewers have about uh, 30% chance to make the postseason, 39, or excuse me, 30, yep, 39%. Cubs, 49, Reds, 37, Cardinals, 35. Brewers are expected, according to Fangraphs, to win 31 games, lose 28. Now remember, in a normal baseball season, everybody says every team wins 60 and loses 60. It's the remainder that separates the teams. According to fan graphs. The entire division. The NL Central is a projected to finish within about six games of each other. It's going to be really close. Christian Yelich Is the great equalizer in a season like this. As is Mike Trout. Or even a player like Anthony Rendon. Funny enough both of those players happen to be on the Royals. If you have a player that is arguably the best player in Major League Baseball. Mike Trout. Christian Yelich. Maybe you can talk about Cody Bellinger. I think Yelich is a better all-around player, but that's not important. If you have an MVP on your team, that that player can carry your offense for 60 games. We see it all the time. David Fries did it in the postseason 2011. Yelich did it in 2018. One hot bat can power a team for a certain length of time. A month, month and a half, maybe two months. It's when you start getting 70, 80, 90, 100 games into a season where one player can't do it all. You can have a hell of a hot streak in Yelich in 2018, had a hell of a hot streak. But no player can sustain being the the driving force of an offense for an entire season. So in a 60-game season, assuming Christian Yelich plays the way I think he's going to play coming back from injury, the Brewers might be pretty good offensively because one player can make a difference in this small of a season. I also think the combination of Josh Hader and Corey Knabel is a huge asset for the Brewers. It's going to be a race to the finish line. Doesn't have to be pretty. You just need to get there. You just need to eat as many innings as possible. 60 games. That's 540 innings. What's the best way to get to 540? Well, if Corey Canable returns to form and he is effectively a closer type pitcher, then the, you can use Josh Hader wherever you want. You can use him in the fifth inning. You can use him in the seventh. You can use Hader to close games as well. But that combo, that two, that double punch in the bullpen, that one-two punch. That gives Craig Council a lot of flexibility, and I think Craig Council is the other reason the Brewers could outperform projections this season. I think a lot of managers are going to treat this like every other season. Hey, nothing's changed. Baseball's still baseball. Still nine innings. I think Craig Council is going to make adjustments that will give his team an advantage in a 60-game season. I can't say that about every manager in Major League Baseball. Craig Council is going to tweak things as they should be tweaked, Right? You're playing a season that is equivalent to five NFL games. It's 37% of their entire normal schedule. You better make some changes. It would be dumb not to. Christian Yelich, Hayter Knable, Craig Council. Those reasons alone, I think the Brewers could be better than most people think. I'm not going to pick them to win the World Series. But they could outperform projections that I've seen so far. Let's talk about starting pitchers. Talked about Scherzer and, and how the Nationals have their money tied up in starting pitchers. And starting pitchers normally make 30 starts. They're going to make 12. Well, the Brewers have this selection of pitchers. Woodruff, Hauser, Brett Anderson, Josh Lindblom, Corbin Burns, Eric Lauer, Freddie Peralta. That's seven guys. Now, in a normal year, you have a five-man starting rotation. I just named seven names that could be starting pitchers for the Brewers. I think Craig Council might go to a four-man rotation and move some of those arms to the bullpen. And I think this season, you're not going to see any pitcher pitch more than four or five innings, even if they're dealing. Sit him down, get him healthy for the next time around, because I think Craig Council might go to a four-man rotation. So let's say the rotation is Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Josh Lindblom, and fill in the blank. I'm not convinced Brett Anderson is showing up. So let's say uh, Freddie Peralta. Your your rotation ends up being Brandon Woodruff, Adrian Hauser, Josh Lindblom, Freddie Peralta. Four-man rotation, no pitchers pitch more than four five innings. Then you can move Corbin Burns and Eric Lauer to the bullpen, which gives you even more flexibility. Remember what Corbin Burns was in 2018? An elite starting caliber pitcher they just have a spot for. Like, we're going to put you in the bullpen. We can pitch you in the fifth. We can pitch you in the eighth. We can pitch you for one inning. We can pitch you for three. The flexibility that Corbin Burns gave them in 2018, I I think Craig Council is going to try to find a similar arm to fill that role this year. Maybe it is Corbin Burns. Maybe it's Freddie Peralta. I I don't know. But I think Craig Council will go to a four-man starting rotation. No starter pitches more than four or five. And the rest of the arms go into the bullpen. You're now looking at a, at a bullpen that has Hader and Canable. Those are your two lockdown guys. After Corey Knable and Josh Hader, it's about filling in the cracks. Brent Suter, Freddie Peralta, possibly Eric Lauer or Corbin Burns. You're going to have so much flexibility. So much flexibility to eat the rest of those innings. And Council is going to plan to get through 60 games. I think even more specifically, he's going to plan to get through 540 innings. It's the best way to get through 540 innings. And I don't think it's sending Brandon Woodruff out there for six or seven innings every five or six games. Unique season, unique scenario. I think Craig Council will put a unique strategy into place. I'm really excited to see what he cooks up. Really excited to see what he cooks up. Uh, When we come back, I want to continue to talk about this. Hit a couple other random... Noteworthy little bits of news about the Brewers. Bob Eucher, Ryan Braun, tailgating. Got a couple things to say as we wrap up the Wisco Sports Show. Coming up next. Final segment of the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Graham Bills. So much, so much going on right now as baseball and the NBA and the NFL are trending in the right direction. But we're just waiting. We're just waiting to see how it all goes. COVID cases spiking, well, just about everywhere. Other than New York, it's done there, but spiking everywhere else. So we'll see how baseball handles it, how the NBA handles it uh, in the next month or so. Don't forget, you can always check out the podcast to this show. Check out what you've missed. Let's go to WKTYsports.com and check the WKTY mobile app as well. Not only for my show, but Dave Carney and the WKTY Morning Show. Check out all our shows in podcast form on our website. And on our app. So a couple random Brewers uh, news and notes before we uh, sign off for the night. First of all, I saw officially the most Milwaukee Brewers thing I have ever seen. Earlier today on Twitter. It's from our friend Adam McCalvey, who covers the Brewers for Brewers.com. Uh, this was his tweet. A common question I've heard in the past two days. Even if Miller Park is closed to fans, can we come tailgate? <laughs> which which is Awesome. It's like, well, we can't come inside. Can we still use the parking lot? (laughs) He says, unfortunately, the answer is no, at least at the start. Here's a statement from the Brewers. This is hilarious. The Milwaukee Brewers put out a statement telling people that, yeah, sorry, you can't come hang out in our parking lot during the games. Only in Wisconsin would people want to do this, and this is amazing. This is the statement from the Brewers. We would love to have fans tailgate in our parking lots while they listen to games on WTMJ on their car radios, or watch on phones and TVs on Fox Sports Wisconsin. But it would defeat the purpose of the protocols that have been put in place by City of Milwaukee health officials. Health and safety is our top priority, and we are committed to compliance with the measures that are in place. If the City of Milwaukee revises the restrictions that are currently in place at some point down the road, and if Major League Baseball approves as well, we'll revisit our ability to host fans for tailgating and attending games. This is, this is so funny. A Major League Baseball team put out a statement to let fans know that, sorry, no, you can't come set up shop in our parking lot. I love Wisconsin so much. I cannot picture myself going to see games at a place where people don't want to hang out in the parking lot. Like, I went to Target Field last summer, and Target Field is really cool. It's really nice. We had to sit through about a two-hour rain delay, which I'm not exactly a fan of, but Target Field is really nice. The view is cool. It's right in the skyline, right in the city. But it's not Miller Park. It's not what I grew up with as sports in Wisconsin. You grow up and it's like, oh, you go to Green Bay and you tailgate in someone's front yard and you give them 20 bucks to park there. You go to Miller Park and you get there two hours ahead of time and you grill and you drink in the parking lot and then you go into the game. In a place like the Twin Cities, you take the the train or take some sort of public transportation downtown. You go to the bars and then you walk into the game, you know, 30 minutes before first pitch. Very different. I love Wisconsin, and I love the tailgating experience. And I actually think it would be really cool if there was a way to do it where fans aren't going to be at games, but there's enough space in parking lots. If you could let a limited number of people through to barbecue and to listen to the game, that would be awesome. But in no other state in the country are people trying to do that. And in no other team in the country putting out statements that, no, guys, sorry, but you can't, can't come sit in our parking lot during the game. I, I love it. I had to share that. Uh, Bob Uecker is also going to be calling home games this year, which everyone was rejoicing on social media, to which I said, did we really ever doubt? Was there any question that Bob Uecker wasn't going to be calling games this year? I, Bob Uecker is going to die in that booth. And I say that in a, in a loving way, not in not in a way that like makes it sound like I want Bob Uecker to croak while calling a game. This is Bob Uecker's life. This is his passion, right? I can't imagine him retiring and watching the Brewers on TV. As long as he's going to be able to call games, he's calling games. Last uh, little bit of news related to Ryan Braun. I tweeted yesterday, you can find me at Grant. I tweeted yesterday, this might actually be the best news of 2020 so far as we sit here on June 25th, yesterday on June 24th. Once again, from our friend Adam McKelvey, uh, he tweeted out this thread, and I'll read what he had to say. When we last heard from Ryan Braun, he was maybe thinking that 2020 was his final season. Now, with the DH in place for at least 2020 and possibly moving forward, that could be changing. I would say everything, this is from Ryan Braun, I would say with everything happening in our world, the COVID stuff specifically, certainly changes the dynamic. This season will be nothing like a normal baseball season experience. I think all factors into changing the way I am thinking about things right now. Here's the quote that I love. I would say based on where I am now, there's a higher likelihood that I would be interested in playing another year now than I thought I would be three or four months ago. The Brewers have to bring Ryan Braun back as a DH. If the DH gets instituted next year, which it absolutely should, he has to come back. What, four or five million dollars? I don't care. You're paying Eric Sogard a couple million. You can find the money to keep Ryan Braun as a Brewer for the rest of his career. I swear I need it to happen. I can't cheer for the Brewers if the Brewers don't have Ryan Braun. This is all I've ever known. Ryan Braun forever. Long hair, short hair, steroids, no steroids. I am here for it. I'm absolutely all in. Ryan Braun back next year after the uh, the conclusion of this contract as a DH. I absolutely love it. Give it to me. Tomorrow, we're going to continue to talk about baseball. We need to talk about the Packers, too. It's been too long. Remember they drafted a quarterback? They drafted Jordan Love. We almost forget about it with everything going on in the world. We'll continue our conversation tomorrow and say goodbye before the weekend. Same time, same place here on the Wisco Sports Show. Talk to you then.